It is uh, good to be here with you again this morning. Thank you, Rob and Sam. Uh, just great preparation in worship. Um, singing the words of Scripture. Uh, man, that just is such a, uh, a wonderful way to focus our hearts and minds on God and to, uh, to acknowledge all that He is. We know that when we are, are speaking the words of, of Scripture, when we, when we are singing the Bible, that, that that is a description of God that is true, that is right, that we can uh, hold fast on and be certain about. And, um, and just bringing us into that place of, of acknowledging all who God is and all that He has done for us. Um, it's a wonderful thing. So Samantha read for us from uh, uh, John chapter 11 and 12 uh, this account of Jesus being anointed by Mary. Uh, there's a number of things that are going on in this passage uh, that I think is, is uh, good to just kind of uh, touch on and acknowledge in passing. We're not going to delve deeply into all of this, but uh, one of the things that, that I think is, is interesting uh, the way that John has arranged this whole passage, he, the, the section starts off talking about how the Pharisees, the Jews, were renewed in their desire to see Jesus die. They were seeing all of these signs that He had performed and this powerful sign of the raising of Lazarus from the dead. And they they considered even more strongly how they would be able to uh, destroy this man who was uh, robbing them of of their position, uh, that was undermining all that they had said about who Messiah would be and how he would align himself with all of their traditions and all of their uh, rules and regulations. And as Jesus continued to undermine all that that they stood for, uh, their hardened hearts became more and more convinced that He had to die. And then we have uh, this beautiful account of Jesus, of, uh, of Mary's interaction with Jesus there in Bethany. But then the section ends just before the triumphal entry um, uh, as Jesus again uh, continues to take uh, the issue right to the very heart of uh, Judaism. We have this uh, book ends on one side Jesus being uh, the the Jews being more determined to kill Jesus, and then here at the end of or just before the triumphal entry, that they had now convinced themselves that Lazarus had to die, and anybody who would align themselves with Jesus was now coming under threat, and we see the the temperature of their opposition to Jesus and their desire to destroy all that Jesus stood for, increasing more and more. I think that's important. I think John has done that on purpose of, of creating those bookends for us. And then right in the middle, bringing our attention to an individual's true understanding, pure and authentic coming to Jesus and recognizing who He was. 
Mary's anointing of Jesus, is, as Jesus points out, is part of His preparation for His burial, for His, his sacrifice that He was going to be uh, uh, doing here in just a, a week's time or a very short amount of time uh, following. Don't know exactly for sure if, if Mary truly understood that, that what she was doing as she was there anointing Jesus' feet, that, that this was part of His body's preparation for, for burial, and, and, and whether she understood all that Jesus was going to be doing here in the next while. Um, Jesus, Jesus' response to her that we have in verse 7 where He says, Leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of My burial. Identifies that Jesus seeing her heart knew that there was a seed of understanding in some way that she knew what was to come. But as we continue to read in the story later on and see um, all of the reaction of the disciples, all of Jesus' followers to His arrest and crucifixion, uh, we know that, that her understanding wasn't a complete and full understanding because she was just as much uh, uh, downcast and, and, and disheartened at the crucifixion and, and uncertain of why Jesus had to die. But there it is, we, we see that, that as Jesus continues to walk with those that He loved and those that loved Him, and the more that He taught, people were starting to come along and He was having an impact on their lives and they were seeing the future. The, the great testimony that, that Martha had of, of Jesus, that, that we know the resurrection and Jesus, that we know that You are, there is life in You. Um, these kinds of signs of, of people's belief and their understanding uh, is, is encouraging for us to see what is happening there in this, in this midst. We also have here a description of a little bit of an interpretation from John into the motivation of Judas. As Mary comes and, and in this uh, supreme act of worship of, of anointing the feet of Jesus and then washing it off with her hair, Judas says, why wasn't this sold and the money given to the poor? John gives us that little bit of a parenthetical uh, statement where he says, that really wasn't jo Judas's heart. It wasn't so much that he was concerned about the poor, but he wanted to see that money go into the, the petty cash fund that they had for the disciples. Uh, the one that he was in control of so that he could pilfer some of the money out of that for his own interest in his own sake. It's interesting that John, and we don't know exactly how John got that information or knew that or had that insight into, into Judas's heart at this point, but it is, I think it's important to point out that that wasn't Jesus' contention against Judas. At least he doesn't mention it here in this setting. We don't see any reprimand or anything like that uh, from Jesus towards Judas for, uh, for his act of, of thievery that he was doing from the, the petty cash fund that the disciples had. Um, Jesus' concern was more about allowing Mary 
to express her love, to express her worship and adoration of her Lord and Savior. And he wasn't so much concerned about the thievery part as the way that Judas was trying to quench her opportunity to be able to show her love and appreciation for Jesus. You know what, I think I think many of us here, if, if we take aside Judas's motivation for thievery, but just look at the statement that he has of, of looking at this, this expensive gift that was being presented to Jesus and being, in some ways, I can hear myself saying, wasted on just being poured out when, when this, this could have been sold and given to the poor. Um, I think many of us would probably hear our own voices in that kind of a statement as well. I think one of the things that, that, that has become a, an important part of the culture of our congregation here is that desire, and, and, and I say become, it really has been that right from the very beginning. Uh, ever since we started off as a congregation, is we have always wanted to uh, to be able to save our resources to be able to put as much as we can into meeting the needs of of people who are in our community, who are in our in our congregation, who are in need. Um, that's one of the reasons why we meet in a place like this rather than owning a building someplace. We don't want to be putting money in towards uh, having a, a nice, beautiful building that's easy to, to have set up all the time. We don't have to come in there early and get everything all set up and then tear it all down afterwards. We're willing to take on that sacrifice. We're willing to be in a little bit of a darker place in order that we can save some money so that we can then take those resources and put it into the needs of people in our, in our congregation and our community. It's one of the reasons why every month when we take our when we're on communion Sunday we take that offering and put it into uh, meeting the needs of a of a of a family of a of a ministry of of something outside of ourself uh, that we can help out other people and um, and and sacrifice for our needs for for the the running and the the expenses of of this of this congregation. Uh, really that's one of the reasons why, you know, for we don't have any staffing um uh we don't have any staff or anything like that. The the people who there are a few things that 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 we contract for, uh but there's uh, we've minimized we haven't hired anybody. We just contract with whoever is preaching with some of the other tasks that get done Sunday school uh organization and things like that. Again, trying to save our resources so we can put as much as we can into meeting the needs of the poor and the needy in our community. And so I think, you know, I, sometimes I catch myself being a little bit prideful about that. <laughs> when I see some of these other churches with their beautiful buildings and, and all of the, 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 uh, the huge office staff that they have, and all of the money that goes towards those kinds of things, and I kind of chuckle to myself and say, ha, 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 well, we put all of our money into meeting the needs of the poor. 
We don't want to be wasteful. We take very seriously uh, the, the, the command of God that we are to love not only in words but in deeds. And so we try and invest as much as we can into meeting the needs of the poor. But in this account, Jesus kind of gives us something to, to shake us up a little bit. Saying that there is a time and a place for extravagance, for wastefulness in our worship when we are expressing our love and our adoration of our great God and all that He has done for us. And, and I, think, I think we need to stop and just kind of sit there for a while. To, to allow ourselves to, to contemplate what that would look like for our congregation. What are, what are ways that we that we go over the top, that we, that we sacrifice ourselves in, in, in meaningful ways to be able to just praise and worship God for all that He has done for us. As, as we read here in this passage, this, this gift that Mary gives Jesus is not an inexpensive gift. A pound of nard. Nard comes is is this uh, a f- uh, fragrant oil that comes from the uh, the spike nard plant that is found only in the the northern regions of of India and in the Himalayas of of Nepal and India and China. That's a long ways away from Jerusalem, from Bethany, where where they were at. That would have been an expensive thing to be able to get that. Spice that oil and 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 uh, use that here. It was a full pound of this stuff, which, as it says there, was worth three denarii. Denar us uh, denarii, whatever the plural of that is. Three denarii. A denarii was uh, a silver coin, which represented a, a person's daily wage. So you put in a day of work, you would get a denarii. So 300 denarii, if you take out all of the Sabbaths and the, the, the feast days and all that kind of stuff, 300 denarii basically made up a year's wages, worth of wages. I don't know about you, but, but a year's worth of my wages would, would be something that I would take notice of. <laughs> To just take that and break it over somebody's feet and, and wash their feet, I would have a hard time drying it off with my hair. But that's, that's, that's extravagant. That is over the top. That would have been costly to her. That would have been a, a, a real sacrifice to lose a whole year's wages in a few minutes of, of worship and adoration. And yet Jesus commends that. 
He says, this is right and good. That there are all kinds of ample opportunities to meet the needs of the poor. And and he's not taking away from that. He's not saying, forget about meeting the needs of the poor and just give it all to me. That's not what he's saying. But but he's saying there is a time and a place for, for costly extravagance. Again, I know that I can be guilty of, you know, when we've traveled sometimes and seen some of these old cathedrals, these beautiful with the stained glass windows and the stonework and everything, and you just go, wow, the, the cost of that. How that could be used so much more appropriately into meeting the needs of, of hungry people during those times. And, and, and you see the, the investment. I remember one place that we were at, they, it took 300 years to build this cathedral. It, it, the guys who started it would never see it to completion. It would be their great-great-great-grandchildren who would ultimately be the ones that would see the completion of this of this particular cathedral and yet for them it was worth it it was worth it because their god and their understanding of all that he was brought it out of their hearts it was an opportunity for them to 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 extravagantly Worship Him with their talents and their gifts and the things that, they, that, that He had put into their lives. I, I know there, there certainly has been misappropriations in a lot of those kinds of settings and, and people that have taken advantage and, and, and poor choices in some of the ways that, that those things were built and all the rest of that kind of stuff. And, and, and that always needs to bring us up short to be able to say, where is our heart in all of this? And that's really ultimately what it comes down to. When we take the time out of our service to give of our offerings, there can be all kinds of things that come up in our minds of of motivations of why we would give. You know, that we recognize that there are costs even though it is cheap like beet soup for us to meet here in this place, there still are costs to using this facility and and somebody has to pay for that. And there are materials that get used and there's equipment that breaks down from time to time and and, and needs to be replaced. And so you can can come to it and say, okay, I know that there are costs. I'm here. I'm, I'm taking advantage of this congregation. And so... Here's my admission fee that I'm paying. You can kind of think that way, right? And your motivation of giving to an offering. Or it could be that we are doing a communion offering and there's a need that we all are passionate about. We see the need for crisis pregnancy center that would be able to meet the needs of young women who are in desperate times and in order to help them make the right decision about the life of their unborn child, yeah, we would want to put money towards that to be able to help those kinds of things. And we see these needs and we think that's a good idea, that's a good reason to do it. But do we stop 
and think that I am giving my offering because I love my Lord. Because I've been overwhelmed with His goodness in my life. Because I have seen the sacrifice that He has made for me and, and there's no way that I could ever repay that and yet I give all that I have to serve Him. That, that I want to be extravagant in my gift towards Him because there, even in my extravagance, even if I was to, to give a year's worth of wages, it wouldn't come near to touch how much I truly love and adore and worship Him. To how much He is worth to me in my life. And I know I'm guilty of this as well, that, that often in offering times, there's all kinds of other things that are going through my mind rather than, Lord, I love You. And this is, is just a response to my great love for You in all that You have done and given to me. It is good to end its season to be extravagant. To give beyond what is reasonable, what is affordable. And there's all kinds of ways and places that you can do that. Mary's gift wasn't to go and take that money and put it in the offering at the temple. It was, it was in a way that she could directly communicate with her Lord, with her Savior right there. You've seen some of these people. I think it's interesting when you drive down in the States. I see it more down in the States than I do here in Canada. Where people have put these huge billboards that have some Bible verse or something on it on their property. An, an, an extravagance or, 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 or a, a, a cross. I think there's even somebody down in Washington or something in Oregon that has built like an ark that you can actually go and, and tour and, and see what, what that might be like. Um, stupid crazy, right? Guy's got more money than what he knows what to do with and yet, it's part of his expression, his or hers, I don't know, expression of their great love for their Lord and trying to communicate that to him and to everyone else who would ever see. In what ways are you expressing your heart of love and honor and adoration for your Lord? In what ways are you being extravagant and lavish in the way that you communicate your love and your adoration and your worship of Him? Today we, we didn't do offering kind of where we normally do. I wanted to 
to do it after the service, after we have a chance of, of looking at this expression of worship and, and, and how important our motivation for offering is. It's not about, it's not about a compulsion. It's not about, uh, about paying your way. It's not about an expression of your love and your worship and your adoration of a God who is far greater than we could ever acknowledge, ever repay, ever come close to. We're going to give you an opportunity to respond today in that kind of a heart of worship and adoration. We kind of do it kind of like we do our communion. Rather than passing the bag around, we've got bags located in one in the window. The other one, where did the, is there one back there someplace? Oh, we put it on the, this table over here. Maybe we'll just, if somebody want to grab that, Wendy, you just want to grab that other one? Maybe just put it on the stage over here so people can go up. I've got a, a, a video that's going to play. Um, uh, and just as you are listening to the words, you've got lots of time. Don't worry about hurrying. Just take some time to meditate on the wonder of who God is, on all that He has done for you. And how you want to honor Him in, in, your, in your worship, in your giving. Whether that is going to be here in these bags, or whether it's going to be something else that He's putting on your heart, that you can be extravagant in the way that you worship and honor Him today. Don't, don't feel like this is some kind of I'm employed to get more money in our bags. That, that is not at all it. Uh, if, if, if nobody puts offering in our bags, but you are responding in some other way, that is, that's all for what, what God is. I, but I wanted to give you that chance to, to just kind of stop and think and meditate and, and wonder on who this great God is and, and how He loves you and how you can respond to Him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Thank You for Your great love for us. Thank You for, for the way that, that Jesus commends Mary's extravagant gift of worship. Lord, we don't want to be held back uh, by thoughts of, of what, is, what is reasonable, what is best stewardship, any of those kinds of things. We, Lord, we want to just worship You out of the freedom of our hearts of, of honoring and glorifying You here today. And so Lord, we, we pray that Your Spirit would be doing a work in our heart. Would You help us to understand more fully what it means to bring our offerings, to bring our gifts. Would You lead us into that place of, of worship and honor and to do those things that, that bring glory to You? Would You help us to put aside all of the, the wrong motivations, all of the, the selfish and, 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 and uh, 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 idealistic or any of those other kinds of wrong motivations, but instead that we would be able to focus and know You and just in a, a pure, honest, innocent heart of love that we would come and worship You today.
It is all for You, Jesus. And we love You and we thank You.